you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izinite gregi. The Zoran Zaev government will be spending some $210 million, which is about the entire Macedonian defense budget, to purchase 54 U.S.-built striker vehicles. The U.S. Defense Security Cooperation Agency, which had to notify the U.S. Congress of the proposed sale, issued a statement noting, quote, This proposed sale will support the foreign policy and national security of the United States by helping to improve the security of a NATO ally which is an important force for the political stability and economic progress in Europe, unquote. In the meantime, coronavirus deaths hit a one-day record of 30 on Monday, March 22, bringing the total number of deaths to 3,503. And there have been 119,828 cases of the virus registered. Hospitalizations are now on a rapid rise in Macedonia, and vaccinations are still next to nothing, owing to the incompetence of Zoran Zaev and his health minister, Vinko Filipce. And new curfews are in place. But hey, those striker vehicles. <laughs> we'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Cvetan Shalimanov from Skopje, Macedonia. Hey, look forward to those striker vehicles. Those are going to be snazzy, you know, um, uh, either... I, I'm not sure what they're going to be used for, to be honest. Do you really need them? I mean, who's who's going to be attacking you? Uh, maybe they'll just sit in the in the uh, in the army depot yard, you know, and, and look nice and shiny, and or, or you or they can take them for spins around Skopje or something like that. I don't know. During the last donation, the U.S. ambassador donated something like 1,500 uh, automatic rifles, um, uh, and uh, some Albanian commented. Uh, in response, well, I hope they're not used for against us, like you know, the Macedonian army using them against the Albanians. And I was thinking, okay, it's more likely the other way around, given <laughs> exactly US, U.S. policy toward Albania in the region that they'll be used against us. But uh, these, yeah, these I mean, weren't—that wasn't a donation of the rifles from um, 2001 that NATO collected from the uh, the, the so-called National <laughs> Liberation Army. In yeah, uh, what was it, Antonio yeah. Milosevsky called it Operation. It was called Operation Harvest, but I think he called it Operation Operation Theatrical Harvest or something like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh. uh, but this is, I mean, the, these uh, APCs. This is going to be like uh, an additional defense budget of Macedonia, like two hundred million. It's about yeah. what we spend on defense annually at the moment, and this is like another budget on top of all of this added just, you know, to pay off the U.S. and uh, render unto Caesar now that we are a, a NATO <laughs> member state. And it's really, Very I mean, uh, yeah. really out of this world. We have armored vehicles anyway. It's not something that we lack. And, uh, right. you know, Russian made, sure. But, uh, you know, it's really a huge, huge procurement uh, just to curry favor with the U.S. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, to, to my mind at least, one of the articles I read about this this purchase um, noted that there w there are no known offsets, mm -hmm. and for our you know most people don't know what offsets are. So let me just explain just a little bit. So when a 
wealthy country like the United States sells particularly uh, defense uh, military equipment to another country, particularly a smaller, less wealthy country. Macedonia fits that category. Typically, uh, what is offered are, are offset arrangements. Uh, and my I used to know more about them. My mind's a little fuzzy. So let me just read here for our listeners uh, from the National Defense Industrial Association. Offsets. Um, Foreign customers utilize offset arrangements to rebalance any financial or social equity loss in the purchase of defense exports. For relatively smaller economies, that would be Macedonia, the outflow of billions of dollars, or in Macedonia's case, millions of dollars, for large defense contracts invites social instability and political (laughs) repercussions in the long term. Uh, foreign governments may overlook investing in research and development domestic infrastructure projects, which is all true about Macedonia, or at least the current government, uh, or defense uh, and commercial manufacturing in favor of short-term security solutions. Interesting. Uh, okay, so two types of offsets. Offsets and defense sales are categorized as either direct or indirect. Um, and so for Macedonia, it would be indirect uh, offsets, actually. And indirect offsets are economic inducements that cover non-defense purchases and investments. So there's a financial incentive from the purchaser side, so that the government of Macedonia in this case could have received some some um, uh, economic inducements, mm-hmm. uh, so job creation and things of that nature. So to me, it's interesting that the government of Macedonia did not request offsets, which leads me to two, two, two points. Number one, they're too incompetent and stupid to even have asked for them which is entirely possible, or number two, a bit more nefarious, there is some under-the-table stuff going on and, you know, arrangements between the government of Macedonia uh, and the, the, the seller, in this case, that would be, you know, uh, through the United States government, the actual manufacturer, uh, cool. which is not, you know, knowing that this government, the Macedonian government, which is corrupt, of course, uh, that is entirely possible on their side, but it would require some nefarious activities on the part of the United States side, probably not, it's, it's not probable, but it's not out of the realm of the possible as well. So, but either way, it's bad for Macedonia that they did not take advantage of the offsets offered uh, typically in this very, very large purchase, as you just mentioned, basically a second uh, budget, mm-hmm. uh, defense budget. So um, anyway, we'll see where that goes. But as I mentioned in the monologue, uh, and I should mention that this is the uh, episode 107 of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. We're recording this on the 23rd of March, Tuesday. Uh, coronavirus cases seem to be up all over Europe. Uh, up in Macedonia, obviously, as I mentioned, a 30, uh, 30 dead on Monday, I believe it was, uh, March 22. Record number of cases, uh, curfews in place, uh, and no vaccinations in sight. What... What's the latest excuse from Vinko Filipce? Uh, they've stopped trying uh, now that <laughs> a number of European countries have banned uh, AstraZeneca vaccines. Immediately, literally the next day, Filipce announced that uh, there will be uh, AstraZeneca vaccines, a solid quantity, coming <laughs> oh. by the end of March. And oh. everybody was like, oh, come on. And March is next week, by the way. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And nobody's taking him seriously anymore. Uh, We had really a crazy development recently. Uh, One of the associations of journalists in Macedonia, uh, MAN, uh, uh, which is, you know, more anti-government, the other is practically pro, you know, with the government. And they called 
people in Serbia and they said, listen, do you have vaccines? And a uh, hundred Macedonian journalists registered and they're now actually going to Vranja across the border in Serbia. It does not require a PCR test to get there. And they're taking AstraZeneca vaccines. So we're now seeing individual like trade unions, organizations, organizing people to go to Serbia, which is flooded with all sorts of vaccines. I know people who've been told, like, by friends, uh, initially it was like dual citizens. If you have a Serbian citizenship, you can go there and take the vaccine. By now it's become like, hey, come on, we'll have a drink, we'll party around town a little and I'll, you know, hook you up with a vaccine. And uh, there, <laughs> there is even a push in Serbia, they're going to open the large fairgrounds for anybody who wants to come. Now, I'm assuming citizens. But now they're, they're already saying no registration needed. So you just, uh, any age group, any, you know, uh, I think even in the US, they haven't reached this stage of uh, no registration <laughs> needed. Uh, and Serbia is there. They have Chinese, Russian, uh, uh, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, all the, all the vaccines. I kind of, so I kind of imagine, I can't imagine guys in overcoats on street corners, you know, opening up their overcoat yeah. and got this whole <laughs> exactly. array of vaccines in there. Hey, <laughs> I was considering. Uh, I t- thought uh, maybe I got get wound up in paperwork, like uh, uh, you know, if it's going to be valid, uh, if if I have to do it again in Macedonia, if is our public system going to accept it? And I don't mingle too much with people to be, you know. I yeah. thought, okay, listen, I don't have to do it. But, you know, I, I, I have people actually know people. And some are even posting on Facebook today that they took up this opportunity. And uh, people are using all sorts of, like, uh, similar connections. It's becoming widely available, but mm-hmm. not in Macedonia, in uh, in Serbia. <laughs> hmm. That is just incredible. I just For the record, I get my first shot on Friday. Uh, uh-huh. And anybody in Arizona over the age of... 18 now can get a shot so uh-huh. get their shots uh, so we and we've literally at least half the state just i'm just talking about arizona because that's those are the numbers i looked at most recently at least half the state already has at least one shot so mm-hmm. you figure that with those who've already had it those who have been hospitalized those who are asymptomatic etc we're, we're basically reaching herd immunity here in the state of mm-hmm. arizona so but um i know europe is is flailing and failing macedonia yeah. is certainly that's at the bottom of those that are failing and flailing uh, and it's funny, I had to laugh when you said that they're not even making excuses anymore. It's kind of, um, um, it's, it, it's sad. Uh, but hey, those striker vehicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my goodness. Uh, all right. Well, let's see here. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Zoran Zayev was reelected the mm-hmm. chairman or president, uh, actually of his party, the Social Democrats of. Social Democrat Union of Macedonia, or whatever they're calling themselves these days, mm-hmm. uh, whatever name change they they adopt, and he was was he unopposed or did Boki thirteen run against him? Uh, Boki said he'll run, but they uh, and did... Shakirinska said there's going to be a, a counter candidate or candidates, but not, nobody who would uh, be in a position to threaten Zayev. Eventually, they decided that even this is too much. And they ran not even a proxy candidate, a fake candidate. Uh, Zayev just ran unopposed. Vomero would always, even you know, in the heyday of Grievski, they would have several, several distinguished people who had no chance of uh, challenging him, kind of like from outside the party, but somebody would still run. Mm-hmm. Uh, not this time. There was, uh, in his DSM, there was absolutely no opposition. 
Well, in, in that, he's got good company because, as I, as I remember, as I recall, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, who's the president mm -hmm. of the European Commission, was the only candidate uh, yeah. for European Commission. So, you know, in that respect, Macedonia, or Sotosom actually, is following uh, the guidelines of the European Union in having mm -hmm. only one candidate for positions. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, they're taking their cues from the yeah. EU in that. So, yeah, so he was reelected. Uh, nobody congratulated him except his, his erstwhile friend and partner, uh, <laughs> Boyko Borisov, the uh, prime minister of Bulgaria, who's in a tough, well, he's in an election, they're in an election campaign. April 4 is the, uh, mm -hmm. the election in next door in, uh, in Bulgaria. And as I understand it, the, the, there's pressure on Zoki to, uh, to basically accede to whatever it is that, that Bulgaria wants. What's, yeah, what's, what's going on there? This would happen all the time with Gruevsky. Whenever he would win elections and he would get the mandate again, uh, he, uh, somebody from the U.S. would call him and say, okay, listen, now you have the mandate. Now use it wisely to change the name, you know, accept the Greek demands, right. and you'll survive because you have the mandate. Uh, now, Zayev likely initiated this vote several months ago when he gave that uh, uh, Bergenes interview where he accepted all the Bulgarian positions but never put them into actual, you know, legislation or, you know, changes to the history books or anything like that. So Bulgaria was livid. But he mm. still faced the challenge because of this from uh, within his own party. So I guess there is no other, you know, common sense explanation why he did all this, uh, why he got... He actually had... Uh, uh, people go to individual homes to re-register the party members. So they mm. come up with a slimmed down list of about 70,000 actual living people who are not ashamed to say they're members of SDSM. <laughs> and uh, we put on the registry. Then they said, we're going to have a vote electronically so you're safe. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the system didn't work. So they decided that they're going to open up the schools on Sunday and have uh, all these 70,000 people dragged into the sc uh, school, uh, uh, schools to vote in person. Mm -hmm. with a huge corona risk, uh, and uh, about 60,000 showed up and voted out of the 70,000 registered. So basically, Zayev showed to all the people who were you know, within his own party, but saying that he has lost uh, legitimacy after his concessions to Bulgaria, after he was called out by former party leader Branko Cervenkovsky, who didn't mm. vote and who is sidelined himself from the party. Uh, so Zayev now, he can say, okay, I had nearly everybody on the on the list vote for me. He won mandate in the parliament a few weeks ago when he had uh, he was able to collect all the sixty two members of his coalition to vote for the government. Even though again he's now unable to convene the parliament for anything, we mm. have the a major like borrow and spend pro program, a stimulus package blocked in parliament for weeks because Zayev don't doesn't have the votes to convene the parliament, it takes 61 votes, and somebody's either sick or traveling or something. Mm -hmm. But he showed to Vemara that he has 62 votes, he showed to the opposition in the party that the members are behind him, and literally the next day Boyko Borisov calls him and <laughs> they come out with identical statements, Zayev and Borisov, <laughs> except that Borisov's was more like we have our share, uh, common history uh, and uh, you know, you need to acknowledge this, we need to make a deal as soon as possible. 
well, as I've said, from our, uh, I think it was much more watered down the part about Macedonia and Bulgaria having the same history, but we'll move on to our European future. It was still there, but it was much mm. watered down. But again, both statements had the comment that this needs to be done quickly. So now Borisov is telling Zayev, you need to deliver before my elections and uh, you have the mandate to do it. So now, you know, do it. <laughs> right. So this is what's happening. Right. Well, you know, and, and of course, the government of Zoran Zayev is not open. It is not transparent. They, they refuse to tell the Macedonian public what is going on behind the scenes in terms of their negotiations uh, with Bulgaria what agreements they've made, etc. I guess the only good news in that is that whatever they agree to and sign can be undone, ultimately, one way or the other. Mm. Uh, and it's going to have to be. Otherwise, Macedonia will cease to exist over time, uh, as we have talked about many times on this podcast. Um, all right, well, we'll continue to follow that. And in the meantime, of course, <clears throat> we have a census coming up. The census, actual census in Macedonia begins, I think, April 1, continues through the, through the month. But right now, the... Um, the government is is urging um, Macedonians to register, uh, in, Macedonians in the diaspora, uh, to register mm-hmm. for the census. And uh, the leader in this, or, or the or leaders... More, more specifically Albanians in the diaspora, not Right, yeah. The, yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the leaders in this are the, not just Macedonian citizens of, of ethnic Albanian ethnicity, Albanian ethnicity, such as uh, the first uh, deputy prime minister, uh, Artan Grubi, the uh, former football hooligan, uh, not just him, but now you've got Eddie Rama, who is the prime minister of the Republic of Albania, and um, uh, what's the uh, sort of prime minister designate of Kosovo, uh, Kurti. Uh, You've got foreign leaders from other countries, or in Kosovo's case, statelets, urging Macedonians of, of Albanian ethnicity to register for the census, which, number one, to my mind, of course, is, is uh, domestic interference. Uh, uh, and it's also a blatant power grab on their behalf. And as I understand it, so so far, according to the uh, State Statistics Bureau, there's 130,000, roughly, um, Macedonians from around the world that have registered in the census. Many of those are from Europe, where ethnic Albanians... Who are Macedonian citizens live uh, Canada, Australia, the United States, where you've got a lot of ethnic Macedonians, are not registering. Are I understand boycotting? Uh, this is this is Zayev is actually concerned about this. Uh, I understand why the diaspora would not want to register because they want to stick it to Zayev and they don't trust him, etc. All of that's true. I, and I don't know. I'm I'm. What do you think? I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, apparently Macedonians, ethnic Macedonians are not registering. There are low turnouts in Australia, New Zealand, in Canada. While uh, the only party showing some enthusiasm for this is uh, are the Albanian parties, uh, especially Dui. They're using institutions such as the uh, foreign ministry, Artan Grubi, who is Zav's practically co-prime minister, mm. uh, going around uh, to Switzerland, to Belgium now. Osman is in Belgium today. Ostensibly yes. for a NATO meeting, but I guarantee you that he's going to have meetings with uh, uh, Albanian organizations there and with the diplomats, Albanian diplomats sent in the Macedonian missions to get them to register. And as you said, this, you know, really unbelievable, even by Albanian standards, this uh, picture today with Grubi and Rama with the 
showing the website for Albanians to register. Uh, it's really, you know, like a caricature of, of yeah. uh, interference in foreign affairs. Uh, and, um, you know, Macedonians in Australia, especially, you know, they're uh, considered, you know, the diaspora in principle are, are patriotic bunch and they're really aghast at, at what Zayev is doing and uh, Zayev came out and he had a statement calling this a patriotic act. Mm -hmm. uh, his uh, head of the Statistics Bureau, like a no-name apparatchik, had a statement today that uh, it's patriotic, you know, if you do not register, you do not love your country, something <laughs> like that. Mm. And coming from these people, these despicable people, mm. it can only have the, the counter effect on, uh, yeah. on the diaspora to register in even fewer numbers. They're threatening fines against uh, citizens in Macedonia who do not let the commit inside their homes, even though, you know, as we said, the corona numbers are horrific and nobody mm. will be vaccinated, not the census workers, uh, nobody. Um, they're threatening criminal charges against people who organize a campaign to counter the census. So mm. the Levitsa party is like posting signs, calling on people not to register and it's likely they'll face some uh, criminal charges, uh, even though, you know, they're largely, you know, being a controlled opposition at this point. So uh, it's probably going to be for show to build up uh, their um, credentials on the patriotic right. Uh, but again, I mean, I'm, I, there, there is no reason why it couldn't be all online. So, you know, to remove the coronavirus issue and uh, just register both the diaspora and the uh, people living in Macedonia online. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not opposed to having uh, something like uh, accurate census and people registering, but uh, um, I can completely understand people who don't want to do this for this government, for Zaev, do not want to participate in this uh, sham uh, process. The issue here is that if Albanians fall below 25%, which was the number that was agreed in 2002, after the civil war, uh, then it's going to be a defeat, a political defeat for them. If they fall below 20%, which is the number cited in the constitution as the limit after which extra minority rights kick in, in the sense mm -hmm. they have double uh, voting rights in parliament. I mean, this is like uh, a privileged minority rights beyond what the majority of Macedonians have uh, in political way. Uh, so if they fall below 20%, it's a complete disaster for the Albanians. That is why they insisted and Zaf accepted that, uh, given that his government is dependent on the Albanian voters and parties, that emigrants are counted in the census, which you know makes absolutely zero sense right. to count pe people who are citizens but do not live in Macedonia. We have this list. We need a more narrowed down list of people who actually live in Macedonia. So we can plan, you know, development accordingly. Uh, so this issue is now off the table. It's agreed that uh, even if they fall below 20% due to their position, political positioning, nobody's going to, you know, even acknowledge this or reduce their rights. And uh, with the addition of the diaspora, this is guaranteed that they will surpass 20%. So uh, one potential, you know, gain for the Macedonian side has been removed. The other was just to purge the electoral list of Albanians uh, and, you know, any immigrants who are long time moved out of the country. Um, 
but still, you know, are you, their names are used for ballot stuffing, especially in Albanian villages, in the last hours of elections, when it's clear what the government needs, you know, like for the referendum in 2018, how many votes they need. Uh, they just sent out people to stuff the ballots uh, in, in the name of immigrants, people who live uh, in Germany, in Switzerland. Somebody just goes and crosses the ballots and stuffs them in the, in the ballot box. And uh, uh, this is rampant in the re cases like referendums or presidential elections, when all the Albanian votes go in one direction. And then when it's a competitive race between Albanians, like Dewey wants the votes and uh, the Alliance of Albanians votes, wants the votes, uh, it's even led to gunfights between Albanian parties who will mm. get to stuff the ballots. Um, so it's a big issue to remove these people from the electoral rolls, people who actually don't live in Macedonia, or put them on a separate list that, uh, you know, if they vote, it's going to be considered, you know, suspicious, a suspect there would need to be a double check, like fingerprints or something like that, uh, or, you know, passports if they are in the country and uh, eligible to, and, you know, actually voted. Albanian parties, this is why they want to, to resist this process, to resist an accurate census, and this is why they're making such a mess out of uh, the whole process, adding uh, dual citizens, adding long-term mm. immigrants, likely counting one same person three times in Albania, Macedonia and Kosovo, possibly even in Serbia, you know, a lot of Albanians have dual, triple, quadruple citizenships. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge mess. It's, and the, the way Zaev insists on having this process completed, even though the core of the corona situation, it guarantees that he does not want, uh, uh, he, he does not want to postpone this process. It guarantees that he does not want a legitimate census, but that the numbers are prearranged Maybe a Macedonian boycott in the diaspora and some boycott at home will bring down, bring Macedonian numbers lower, uh, adding the diaspora, inflate the Albanian numbers, so he will deliver to the all-important Albanian parties who keep him in power. And uh, uh, you know, it's just another of the numerous concessions he needs to keep doing for the Albanians. Right. Wow. That's you. You've covered a lot of ground there. You made some very good points. Um, I would only add that. You know, from my perspective, that what the ethnic Albanians are doing, whether they're citizens of Macedonia, the prime minister of Albania, the prime minister designate of Kosovo, what they're doing is it's nothing more than a power grab. I mean, <clears throat> Albanians the world over <clears throat> are a very clannish tribal society. And the social sciences uh, prove that. That's a demonstrable fact that they're clannish and tribal. Mm. Maybe that has something to do with their language. The Albanian language is an Indo-European language, but it is unlike any others. Perhaps that is what contributes to them being mm -hmm. so tribal and clannish. And and for them, it's it's very much in in the case of Macedonia, very much a power grab. Um, the the problem, in my opinion, and I've spent a lot of time just to kind of put my own uh, credentials out there. I spent a lot of time in the '90s with the ethnic Albanians of the region, primarily Kosovo, mm -hmm. but also Macedonia in my work. Uh, and I spent a lot of time in Kosovo. And so I, I do know their mentality to a certain degree. Um, and while it's a power grab and while they would prefer to have their own gigantic state, greater Albania in the region, the 
problem then becomes is once they've consolidated their power as ethnic Albanians in whatever geographic region or political region, then they start fighting amongst themselves, to, to your point, what you just mentioned. And again, history and the social sciences social sciences prove that because of, I mean, to take but one point, the blood feuds, which are declining, thankfully, but they still go on in Albania proper, perhaps in Kosovo, mm. I don't know about Macedonia. But they start fighting amongst themselves. And that's just a fact. We see that every month there's an example of it in Macedonia, yep. not to mention Kosovo and Albania and other places where they reside, New York City. Um, and, and, and so th this is not a recipe for a strong and stable state, whether it's Macedonia or Albania or if you consider Kosovo a state, Kosovo. Uh, it creates all kinds of frictions and social problems, uh, and and um, it just isn't good for for the stability of a state. And yet, this is what they are gunning for, pun intended. Uh, this is what they're aiming for. And to your point about Zoran Zaev, obviously he's going to give them everything they want because they keep mm. him in power. To the detriment of the Republic of Macedonia and the Macedonians. Now, he probably realizes that. I think he knows that. He doesn't care because his main goal is to remain in power uh, and all of the benefits, quote-unquote, that come from that, i.e. corruption. Uh, yep. I don't have any answers here, Svetin, as to what this means long-term, except that I don't think it's good for Macedonia or for the Macedonians in the Republic of Macedonia or for Macedonians abroad. Um, I don't know if... I, I, I would say... Macedonians should be registering, both in the Republic and outside of the Republic. Um, because, you know, who knows what these... And do we have any idea, you know, let's just say the census goes through and it's concluded at the end of April. Do we have any idea when those numbers will be revealed? Or is it too early? Uh, they're going to massage them. Even now, these 130,000 <laughs> from, the, from the diaspora who are counted, the, the Bureau will not reveal the share of Albanians and Macedonians. Right. In the, I suspect it's like at least 50-50 or even, you know, some advantage uh, for the Albanian side. Uh, I don't know, this is going to be such a mess. After it's done, there is going to be an, an additional, I imagine, an additional process of uh, negotiations, what is revealed, to what extent, and uh, how. So, I, I mean, well, nobody believes that in the process that we'll get some accuracy or, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's all going to be a political bargain. The fact that they're mm. doing it now, the fact that Zav got his party members to vote now in the midst of the epidemic, the fact that we had elections again in the midst of epidemic in uh, July, the fact that the U.S. Embassy intervened to call for the importance of having elections in the midst of a pandemic and is now also intervened to, to say that we need... Uh, the census, it all really just makes people cynical and, and sales. And to hell with this. Uh, if we can avoid it, we will. If we can't, we'll just, you know, maybe meet the census teams in front of the building in the open air and, uh, you know, hope for the best and uh, see what happens. Uh, you know, they can do whatever they want and uh, people are just like giving up and expecting anything to, to work here as, as it should. Yeah, well, that's uh, the cynicism. The cynicism will destroy uh, an individual and it will destroy a country. Um, 
and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of cynicism amongst the Albanians themselves to the point that I the points that I just made. But uh, right now they're um, they're they're doing all they can to uh, <clears throat> to um, bolster their numbers. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll set that aside for now because we don't have any answers, and this is veering towards, as John Pedoritz in the commentary podcast says, crushing morosity. Um, I mean, there is the answer is the having some pushback. There was a mm. census attempt in 2011, and right. again, there was not uh, uh, there was not such an explicit uh, inclusion of the diaspora in the census. But you know, immediately there were reports that in Albanian villages. You know, when the census team made of Albanians comes along and uh, relatives say, okay, well, okay, we have like seven people here, but uh, only two of us are actually here. Five are, you know, out, mm-hmm. but let's take them, let's count them. Uh, well, let's have them on the phone or because it's too expensive to call abroad. Let's have them on Skype. <laughs> so they would try to use like Skype census for their relatives who they would claim are in Macedonia, in fact, would be in... Uh, Switzerland or Germany, and uh, Nikola Gruevsky said, no, you know, we're not doing this. There was uh, push and, uh, you know, back and forth between him and Dewey for a while. And eventually, you know, he said, okay, we're calling the whole thing off. We're not having a census. Better to have a no census than uh, such a forged fake census with, uh, after which we'll again have all these immigrants in the electoral lists and this inflated number of uh, Albanians in the country. But, you know, this meant, you know, you have a proper government which looks after Macedonian interests. You have a mm. political party in power which looks after Macedonian national interests. And this is why he was toppled. And this is why we have Zaev now. And right. uh, there is no pushback, which is, again, going to bring us in a hor- horrible mess from which no amount of striker vehicles is going <laughs> to pull us out of. Because if the if the core of the country is rotted out, then nothing, no you know, nominal NATO membership will is going to help us keep the stability of it. Well, yeah, and again, as we've talked about and I've written about and, uh, before, you know, the national identity is a national security issue because if the national identity of the Macedonians is weakened to the point of of um, non-existence or, or just really brittle, then that invites malevolent actors, namely Bulgaria, Albania, perhaps Serbia, uh, with an interest in literally taking a bite out of Macedonia. Um, and as a NATO member, that's not good for Macedonia, and that's not good for NATO. Um, to your point about Grevsky, yeah. Grevsky, for all of his faults, was a patriot and, and was strong. He, he, he had principles. Uh, he stood up. Uh, Zoran Zaev, obviously, is a quizzling. Um, he's mm. only interested in himself and, and a few people around him. And he will be the death of Macedonia the longer he stays. And the sooner he goes, the better. The sooner that. By the way, is there any news? Um, I saw a news piece the other day about somebody. I think it was a Kosovo journalist predicting that that some Albanians in Macedonia were going to be arrested or something soon, and and that led me to be thinking about Ali Akhmeti. Wouldn't be arrested, but you know, indicted by the Hague. Any yeah. any more words on that? This was in uh, Kosovo press. Some journalist there said uh, announced this, and you know this. Uh, a new Hague prosecutorial institute, because, you know, mm-hmm. the international community now has a special prosecuting unit in every Balkan country to, do, <laughs> to have politicians right. to do their bidding. And in Kosovo, the difference is that this is uh, war crimes based, while in other countries it's uh, wiretapping based. 
and uh, some, of course now a lot of Kosovo Albanians work in this institution and they're leaking. Uh, and some journalists said, expect soon that there's going to be uh, a Macedonian, Albanian politician to be indicted. And of course, you know, everybody is instantly thinking about Ahmeti, but yeah, who knows? We'll see nothing uh, specific yet. Right. All right. What else we got? Well, I guess it's time for our Farmer's Picks then. It is. And uh, I think, Svetin, we've been on a roll here with uh, Farmer's Picks uh, the past couple of episodes. And that's good. And, and, and you know, after all the crushing morosity that we just went through with uh, the census and striker vehicles and Coronas and uh, uh, Bulgaria, etc., it's always good to end with something positive. And, you know, I just kind of dink around looking for stuff about Macedonia on the interwebs. And occasionally I find some good news. And this one is a rumble video. Uh, it's mesmerizing drone footage shows, shows the true beauty of Macedonia. And uh, the short description is the stunning winter drone footage was filmed in the Osogolski Mountains near Kocheni, uh, Macedonia. Witness mm -hmm. how incredible and unique Macedonia is. Uh, again, this is a rumble video. The fun thing about rumble, as we have uh, pointed out uh, to our listeners, is that it was created by Chris Pavlovsky, who is a Macedonian-Canadian entrepreneur and businessman. Uh, it's a uh, alternative, the preferred alternative, perhaps, to YouTube. Um, but uh, this is just, you know, and, and this video appeared to me in my search on uh, Yahoo News, oddly. Uh, but it's a rumble video. It's beautiful. It's set to some, some, uh, some beautiful music and just shows the, the glory of the Macedonian mountains in winter. Mm -hmm. And it just proves, to me at least, once again, that uh, Macedonia has much to offer Macedonians and the world. Yeah, that part is really, really nice. It has even a small, like a ski resort, uh, mm -hmm. underdeveloped, uh, much more potential than actually something on the ground. But it has a, a military airfield up there. <laughs> That's oh, to weird, one of that. the weirdest things I've seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you know. Uh, driving up there, they would tell us, oh, you can just park at the air, airstrip, like, uh, <laughs> where, excuse me? And it's like the Yugoslav army built it uh, certainly over 1,500 meters, uh, <laughs> right in the middle of the mountain. Wow. <laughs> and there is an airstrip, <laughs> weirdest thing, you know. Oh, funny, but yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a very nice place there. Oh, yeah, and it's it's beautiful. It, um, it's, oh, but speaking of snow, you know, today is the, well, spring started on... Um, what, on Saturday? Uh, Sunday was the first full day of spring, and I understand it snowed there, right? Yeah, it was especially <laughs> in the first day of spring. We had, like, <laughs> proper snowfall. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. Well, uh, enjoy it. Uh, yeah, we call March the, the crazy month. Yeah. Baba Marta. Yeah. True spring is coming. Don't worry about that, so. Politically as well, hopefully. Ah, yes, as well as As well as in climate. Yeah, so. Yes, yeah. after a long, hard winter. Hmm. All right, I think that's a full wrap. Okay, buddy. Well, do this next week. Sounds good. Good talking to you. Take care.